Cincinnati's ready for the Big 12. It's, it was time for them. I am fired up. It's yeah. a blessing to be able to be in this league with y'all, you know, putting on for UC. Putting on for UC. And there he goes. Touchdown. Bearcats. Brooklyn again. Another slam inside. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Go Bearcats podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. And as you can see here, right from the jump, we have our now two-time guest, Scott Springer from the Cincinnati Inquirer here with us to break down everything that he saw at Camp Higher Ground the past two weeks, and maybe a little bit more. We'll find out. Scott, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I mean, twice I, I, I'm honored. Uh, there's like a lot of famous people that have been on this thing, and and not not all that many make it twice. So thanks for yes. having me back. It's a big day. That's true. I, I appreciate your your time here. It was uh, it was episode sixty eight way back when. It feels oh, like they all remember that. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it feels like uh, it hasn't been that long ago. But uh, we've done some work over the summer, so there's plenty of uh, plenty of content that we've we've done to keep this thing rolling. Even though the uh, you know we're out of season, if you will. But we uh, we talked to a bunch of our our new neighbors across the Big Twelve. Uh, got in touch with a lot of those fan bases. Tried to learn about them. Uh, as much as we could, uh, and then now we are less than two weeks away from from football season actually being here. Uh, but if people who follow you on Twitter or follow you along w- w- uh, with your work on the Cincinnati Inquirer, they know that you were, uh, seems like you were at a camp higher ground a lot. So I thought it'd be uh, nice to have you on here to sort of give us, maybe give us some insight on what we can expect this upcoming season. Yeah, well, the food's great, so that 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 helps when I can go out there and, and get some good grub there around the noontime. But, but yeah, it, I, I've been going out there since 1999 when it first started. So what what they've done with the place is amazing. They they've added the turf fields and, uh, you know, the dining hall's not new anymore, but compared to what it was, it's outstanding and all sorts of new dorms. And it's one of those things that. Uh, some of the coaches have come in and not really understood why it worked. And then after a couple of days that they kind of figure it out that you know, there's nothing to do out there other than football. And so that gets the guys together. And next thing you know, you have guys that wouldn't necessarily talk to one another, talking with one another and they bond and, and they become more of a team. And Brian Kelly's the biggest example of that. He didn't want to go. He, he didn't see the reason in going. And then it was a 10 day deal then. And then in the middle of it, he said, Hey, can we make this two weeks? And then with Notre Dame, he tried to come in and get it. So he liked it that much. So every one of the coaches have liked it. By all accounts, Satterfield staff liked it. And, and uh, he'll even say that the guys like it. They'll complain a little bit about, you know, all this stuff about going out in the country. But, you know, you're talking about UC, a landlocked uh, uh, urban campus. And some of the kids maybe have not seen woods and creeks and rivers and lakes and fish and deer and things like that and they get to see it so it, it kind of brings them together 
that is that is very true. I can sort of speak to uh, experience on giving uh, kids new uh, experiences when it comes to nature. So uh, I, I, some people might think that might be silly, but no, that's that that is true, and that's that's a good point that you bring up. Uh, I want to get into. Uh, a lot more in-depth stuff here, Scott. Uh, I know you know your second time guests here on the show, so that you know that this is the Go Beer Cats podcast. So before we get too far into anything, it is time. Oh, there you go. What so do you got? Drecker is something that I picked up from the Delhi Liquor Store. Of course, uh-huh. the time for a beer is brought to you by the Delhi Liquor Store. This one, uh, I think they, they are from Fargo, North Dakota. So this beer took a quite a journey to get here. It's called Make It Spooky Double IPA. I thought maybe it'd have some sort of like, maybe like a pumpkin spice to it or something or something out of the ordinary. But here's a look at it. It's oh, just it's a hazy thing. Yeah. It's just, yeah, hazy IPA. There you go. Nothing, um, nothing too, nothing pumpkin about it. So kind of those double IPAs will sneak up on you now. They will. This yeah. is you just sip that thing, or otherwise I might have to finish this show. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of scary too here because they don't have uh, ABV on here, so I have no idea. How Most doubles tend to be eight or more. It seems like I would guess that's probably where it is, and it's super smooth, so it doesn't taste like it. So that's watch out here. We'll we'll see what we can do. But you uh, jumping in the higher ground here. You, you're talking about the uh, the team coming together, spending time with nothing but football uh, surrounding them, uh, spending time together, looking to gel, looking to come together. And I don't know if there's a football team in recent memory that would need that more than this team with all of the transfers and new faces around the program. Uh, so you know, in that same. Uh, in that same vein of gelling coming together, what, uh, what sort of activity do they do activities outside of football to drive that? You know, I know, do the, is it, I know that there's been like a, like an off night, they go to the movies or something in, in years past. So kind of speak to, or, or what you know of like the, the brotherhood bonding that they have going on out there. There, there is a pool there and then there are places to fish and they, they have in recent years put a zip line out there and then i think they have a couple other things uh, uh maybe maybe a disc golf course i believe um so it's just things you can't see around uc and and it gives them a chance to, to go out and do that and then there's uh there's a basketball court adjacent to one of the dorms so they probably have to monitor that a little bit because i wouldn't want my football guys you know going heavy three on three on, on the concrete there but uh um yeah it, it's mainly that and then you know they're, they're by the time you do three meals and 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 the practices and and uh, you know video with the coaches and and then they have a big team meeting each night and that that's something unique too where they uh, I think each night a different coach will get up and just talk about themselves and they'll have a player get up and everyone kind of gives their own little story and it's not necessarily football related it, it, and that's one of the things I was talking to uh, Chuck Hale who's run this thing for 25 years and he's going to be retiring and hand it over to another guy. Um, but he said way back when he, he liked, you know, watching Rick Menner just sit and talk with guys about, Hey, what are you going to do with your life after football? And some of them haven't considered that because every kid in college, they think they're going to the league and, and mm-hmm. basketball and football or, or whatever. And, you know, sometimes you need to get that education and, and know where you're going or, and, and there, there's been a fair amount of guys that, that played football at UC that have done rather well in, in other areas, but, they, uh, when you talk about higher ground, it brings everyone together. All the guys remember higher ground and remember what went on there and the, the bonds that were created. And, 
and going back to the first year, I mean, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, the junction boys, that's kind of the way it was. I mean, there's pictures of that field and, um, the, the, it was dry in August and the grass wasn't growing and it was mainly dirt and brown and they were trying to paint lines on it and uh, it, it wasn't pleasant. And they weren't sure that the UC would come back, but for the other reasons, they did come back. Then over the years, Bob Goins says, hey, let's put a turf field out here. And then they put another turf field. Right now you have two uh, turf fields. One's a little shorter than the other. I think they're going to be putting a, a new one in to replace the older one and they're building a new entrance to the place. So as far as I'm aware, UC is going to continue this relationship despite Chuck Hale and his uh, wife retiring from it. But uh, it, it'll go on. But it it's unique. You, you pull in and as soon as you got come up the hill, you look to the right on the dorm and said, welcome to Big 12 country. Uh, they had signage all over the place. Uh, TQL was a sponsor this year. Um, so it, it's, it's a nice retreat. And it, it is a retreat for churches, for, you know, high schools have used it. Uh, way back when bands used it uc has several groups that use it um uh, some of the other colleges around have actually used it so mm -hmm. uh it, it, it's just a unique place for people to go and get away you're only 30 minutes from campus but you know it feels like you're you're well away from it well so let's let's start with uh I'll start with the defense here, and if you could just talk maybe uh, first about like some people or some players that you noticed that you know there's, there's the guys that have the hype around them, you know uh, Dante, Jawan Briggs, uh, even Deshaun Pace. Uh, those are sort of like the, the the brand names that we have on our our defense this year. But were there any surprises or, or uh, younger guys that stood out over the course of the two weeks for you? Well, uh, the one that you kind of knew about, but he's not played here. Uh, Daniel Greshik that came from Utah State, he had eight and a half sacks there. So he's a guy that, that they have him listed as a linebacker, and he's kind of a hybrid guy that's going to go back and forth, but he can sneak in and get some of those sacks because you got to figure they're going to be double teaming uh, Corleone or Briggs or who, whatever they can do. And then you have Malik Van, who's six-year football. You know, he's, he's not too shabby either. He's in there. And then at, uh, another linebacker, is is Jack Dengel that's come on, and you haven't heard a whole bunch of him in recent years. A younger guy, his uh, brother was a safety, and then he he had some injuries, had to set aside his career. But his father, Nate Dengel, played in the early '90s and was a big offensive lineman. Jack is is six four and nearly two forty, and a specimen, and and they say one of the fastest guys on the team. Now I've not wow. seen him in a sprint, but I've seen him, you know, going after ball carriers and all that. And so he's kind of stood out. And then uh, defensive backfield, you, you really have three guys back from last year that played a fair amount. Taj Ward has played mm -hmm. 50 college football games. That's a lot. Uh, and Sammy Anderson Jr. has looked really good. Uh, Brian Threats. And then the new guy, uh, Jordan Young uh, from Florida, uh, he, he's, he's made some plays here late. And, you know, he played in the SEC. Uh, talks a good game. You know, some of those guys, they bring that SEC chatter with them. And, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I, I think I counted 16 or 17 of these players have played in what was a Power Five conference before. Mm -hmm. So they've been on big stages. This is nothing new. It's just we don't know a whole lot about them here. It, it, it's kind of like basketball's come, you know, where you're you're kind of reshuffling your team every year, and football might be getting that way if they don't step in and do something. But, you know, the way this team is constructed, you, you have 33 new scholarship players and and they, they've come from other places one way or another. They're all good players. If they can get them to jail and that's part of the higher ground thing, you know, 
maybe they can do all right. It's tough going into a new league. This is not an easy mm-hmm. league here. So you've got, you've got a lot of unknowns going into a new league. I, I think I think we'll know more. To me, the, the, the pit game is going to tell us more than anything. You, you would assume you get through the Eastern Kentucky game, but you can't take any of them for granted. And Eastern Kentucky mm-hmm. won seven games last year. So you got to come out to play the first one. And then it's how do they look against Pitt? And then that might determine how things might be going. The, the schedule is, is not that bad, but it's still mm-hmm. a Big 12 schedule. I mean, it, it, it could have been a lot worse. Agree. We 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 what we avoid Texas, Kansas State, Texas Tech, who's uh, a lot of people are are thinking that they'll uh, you know be towards the top of the conference as well. So uh, and TCU, we don't have them there in the national championship game, right? So we, we kind of avoid the top four teams on the schedule that are the projected top four teams, I should say. So I I agree with you there. That's uh, somebody's. I don't know if that was luck or somebody's looking out for us, but I'll take it. Year one. Oh yeah. Under, uh, when it first came out, I went, "Wow, this this is not half bad." You know, if you can get something together, you you if if I've said it all along, if you can get bowl eligible in this first year, I think that would be quite an accomplishment, and you ought to be satisfied with it. It's just going to take some patience. It's the, the, back in the Big East, it took patience to 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 get to to where you needed to be in football, and particularly in basketball, which was wiped out by all that stuff but uh you know it, on the other hand you saw highly competitive basketball games and you saw some big name schools coming here for football and you know you see was was at this point uc shouldn't be overwhelmed by playing anyone because they, they've been to the highest stages now so it, it used to be when oh wow you know they they remember when they knocked off wisconsin and i do i, I mean i've got part of that goalpost sitting out there in my uh, room there but uh, anymore, they need to be over that. It, it's like you're a Big 12, you're a Power 5. You shouldn't be overwhelmed playing anyone. I think for this year, and we can dive into this more a little bit here, but you know, the, the defense is what everyone is sort of relying on. Uh, we have the names. We have like the, the guys with the preseason awards on the awards list. And the question marks all come from the – offensive side of the ball it seems so from your time at at camp higher ground uh i I think a lot of people would just guess that the defense is running over the offense and the offense is not progressing and they're you know we'll be lucky if we average 14 points a game i think that's some people's mindset with the collection of guys that we have on offense what what can you uh tell us about what you saw with what was happening between the offense and defense was it clear that the defense is that much better than the offense they're pretty good. <laughs> There's no question. And uh, talking with Kerry Combs, the defensive backs coach, he, and Scott Satterfield, it's it's you know the inexperience that they might have back there is uh, offset by the fact that that defensive line is going to hold some people up. So that might mm-hmm. give them an extra second or two in that secondary to to catch up to somebody. You know, Corleone or Briggs is chasing a quarterback, or or Greshik is sacking a quarterback, or, or or Deshaun Pace is making a play, which He's done all spring and and uh, summer so far. So w- what I noticed, like they scrimmaged last uh, weekend and the first series, they had the ones in there and it did look like that. It looked like, wow, this is just this defense is not going to let this offense move. But then the offense started moving. Now they did. They did not play Corleone and Briggs a lot. And that was okay. because it's like, look, there are guys. We know what they can do. We got to get mm-hmm. them on the bus for 
for the season. So they did play, but they didn't play him as much as they could have. But the uh, the offense started moving, and and uh, Jones looked pretty good. And the, the, I, I think the receivers might be the the second most exciting thing about the team that I can see next to the defensive line. Uh, that they've got some pretty good guys that can go get the ball. The two guys from Louisville, uh, Braden Smith uh, is the, the the smaller one, but he's he's caught so many things and just seems like to be a pretty good dude. He's the one that uh, we found out he's a, he's a pilot. Um, so he, he he flies down to Lincoln and, and around. He's got his pilot's license. Um, D. Wiggins is is a longer deep threat there, but both had experience in the Louisville offense. And then uh, Xavier Henderson from Florida, who was their top receiver last year, I think thirty eight receptions, and then previously played with Emory Jones there. So those two have a chemistry. And and then Evan Prater's actually looked pretty good given the chance. There's a lot he needs to learn about being a receiver yet. Um, Donovan Ali out of Washington State. Uh, there's so many that, there that they could interchange. Um, the, the freshman Barry Parker and um, uh, Aaron Turner. That's the one I was trying to think of. He came from Connecticut, and I, I believe he has like 90 career catches from Connecticut. Uh, so th- there are a lot of guys that have caught a lot of college footballs. Just haven't done it here. The only one you, you know of here from last year's team was Chris Scott, but I'm looking at what UC lost. Okay, you lost Tucker and and Tyler Scott to the NFL. Um, then you had two guys that transferred. You, you might miss Will Pauling. He's at Wisconsin now, and Quincy Burroughs, I think, was was another one. But if if, if I line up everyone here and and with their college stats compared to what was lost, I don't know. I don't know that this one is not better. At least looking at practice and on paper. Now we need to see, okay, game time, what happens? That's, I'm really, I'm surprised to hear you say that, but I'm also uh, excited to hear you say that as well, because, uh, you know, wide receiver, the the wide receiver room was a huge question, especially once people started announcing for the draft and uh, transferring out and, and what have you. It was really a question of who are we going to throw the ball to? Because we had one guy return from from last year. So to hear you say that they they're probably the second most exciting unit on the field. uh, That, that gives me excitement and some hope there. I I like that a lot. Well, I sit next to uh, Jim Kelly, who does the radio Mm -hmm. color commentator. And, and uh, you know, he was at UC's top receiver for three years in the seventies. So he knows a thing or two about catching a ball. And he was kind of agreeing with me, you know, standing there. So these, these guys look pretty good. So, you know, if they can get them the ball, you know, they, you got to have some blocking. You got to get the pass there and all that. But for the most part, that's what you're seeing. And then I, I think the whole key to this offense is the balance because for four straight years at Louisville, they ran for 200, passed for 200. So mm-hmm. they uh, they try to catch you, you know, off guard and try to get the run game going. And then if, if you're biting on that, they, they hit you long. That, that's kind of the way it's worked. So if, if uh, if Emory can can make the passes, and by all accounts he he has, uh, and then the upside uh, here late in the in uh, at higher ground he had a, a tooth removed the other day, so nothing major. He'll he'll be right back, but that that allowed for two days um, Brady Lichtenberg to get a whole lot of reps, and Brady Dragos are really high on him, the 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 true freshman. But I think he might have to wait in the wings a little bit, but. Uh, uh, Lichtenberg got a lot of reps too, and so that that's good because a lot of seasons you need two quarterbacks. It's rare to keep the same guy in. You know, we saw it last year. You know, Bryant went yeah. down, and and Evan had to finish up. So, uh, 
Yeah, and there's a there's a 2024 Samaje Jones coming in that they're really high on too for for next season. So you've got a lot of things going on there, and that's that's another thing too to be optimistic about if you're a UC fan. And I don't know how the season's going to go, uh, but if you get frustrated, it, it keep know that they're in the Big 12, that they're getting better recruits than they ever have because they're in the Big 12. So things can only go up. You you bring up the need for two quarterbacks usually. Uh, last season, I mean, there's plenty of examples going back the last ten years where we needed two quarterbacks for for whatever reason. So what? A lot of questions around whether this offense is going to be effective or not is is Emory Jones playing well? You know, he was a phenomenal recruit coming out of high school. Played what three years in the, at Florida last year at Arizona State, and now he's here. So under Satterfield's system, uh, what do you think of Emory Jones now? I know uh, you and I were both at the uh, UC spring game. There was a lot of talk about him not looking great in the practices leading up to that. And then in the spring game, I thought he looked very effective at times. Right. Uh, so what, how, what do you think about his progress uh, in the Satterfield system now that higher ground's over? Well, watching like a lot of red zone drills, it looks to me – at any one point, if Emory needs to run it in, I think he can run it in. I, I think he's tried to hold back and, and you know run run what's designed and, and everything. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just it's just an option there that he, he has pretty good escapability. For whatever reason, Arizona State didn't run him a, a ton last year. You know, the year before at, at Florida, he ran for 759 yards. So he, he certainly can run. You saw the spring game. He made all the throws. Now, I, mm-hmm. I, I believe I told you that, or I told a bunch of people, Ben Bryant in spring practice, I thought was throwing the ball better and, and Emory than Emory. But Emory in the spring game threw the ball really well. So mm-hmm. maybe, when, you know, when the lights come on, when it's showtime, it, it, he's ready to go. But, he, you know, for the most part in practice, he, he he's thrown the ball pretty well. And they, and uh, the receivers have helped him out too, by making some pretty outstanding catches. So nice. I, I, right. It, it's, I, I can't tell you that he's, you know, going to win the Davey O'Brien award here anytime soon, but you know, let, let, let's see what happens. I, I think the, the first game you should see some good signs and then we'll see what happens against Pitt. And that might be able to tell you how, how things might go. It, and if if they go bad, that doesn't mean everything goes totally south. You never know. Most seasons, you're you're going to win one you're not supposed to win, and you're going to lose one that you were supposed to win. Um, if you look back in history, Luke Fickle's first year was pretty miserable. Quite honestly, they they won four games, and I think three of those four they kind of backed in. They were not like pretty wins, and the first win was against Austin P, and it wasn't overwhelming. So mm-hmm. that was a four and eight. And I think, I think Butch Jones was a four and eight in, in his first year uh, and, and then turned it on. So we'll have to see. I, I, I don't want to paint a really optimistic picture, but I, I don't want everyone to think, well, doom and gloom, they've got no chance. Cause I, I listened to a podcast today with Reese Davis and Pete Thamel. I'm out cutting the grass and they're running through the big 12 and naturally they don't give UC a chance. So they, I think they, picked them under four wins or whatever the, the rating was. Um, I don't know. It looked to me like they, they just kind of read the cliff notes and they haven't really done a whole lot of in-depth work, which they really can on every team. But 
I mean, he, uh, Thamel referred to pace as Duchesne pace. So that tells me that maybe oh, wow. he didn't do a whole ton of work. He, he's brilliant. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not Pete Thamel. I, I defer to Pete Thamel. He's, he, he breaks a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm sure he's, he would prefer to have the name right, but I, I don't know. I, you can't get too worked up about this stuff. It, it's like the preseason votes. I, I, so I now have an AP vote. I, I didn't realize they publicized everybody's voting. And man, I had some people all over me this week. It's like they got my Twitter account. And, you know, I, I really, uh, I pissed off Corvallis pretty good. And it was an honest mistake. And I tried to explain what, what had happened. It was on the online balloting. There's a drop down. And I forgot somebody. And I went back and I put some teams in. And as I did that, I omitted one that should have been in. And it should have been Oregon State. So I missed it. And I told them. And then they kind of backed off a little bit. But I, I was like, that came out, and then suddenly I'm getting all these beaver people just <laughs> nailing me, nailing me on the X. Angry beavers. Nothing worse than an angry beaver on Twitter, right? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I'll have to remember to stay away from that fan base. That's uh, that, that sounds brutal. There's probably a beer in Corvallis named Angry Beaver Ale. There should be if there's on. Yeah. That, should, that should be their nil beer if they've not if they're not yeah. on top of that yet. Yeah, definitely should do that. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Of, so you you said that uh, Lichtenberg got a lot of uh, snaps as Jones was out for a, a tooth pulling, uh, but I feel as though there's in the fan base, starting with the spring game, there's as the Cincy Light thing falls back behind me. Uh, there's a lot of buzz uh, around uh, Drogosh. Right. Yeah. The, the, the freshman, uh, he looked really good at the spring game. Uh, you know, the football team, the media team is putting out uh, highlights from camp where, you know, he's got the play of the day uh, a, a couple of times. Uh, so, I mean, if is you said he might have to wait his turn. Do you think he, he's third on the depth chart right now? Because I, uh, I like, based on uh, reading between the lines and what they said that, that now they haven't really official come out officially came out with a depth chart. And they try to shy away from things like that. And they really don't want mm -hmm. people like me or anyone else to, to do a depth chart. But you see what you see and and you hear what you hear. So uh, right now, I mean, it, it's Lichtenberg at number two from what I can see. And and then, then Dragos. But I, I think if it got to a situation, say, God forbid, Jones was hurt. And then you had to go to a starter. Okay, I think it they'd start with Lichtenberg. But I think they'd give Dragos a pretty hard look because um, he, he's, he's going to be special. He's, he's got the, the size that you want. He, he's really fast. In the, uh, the scrimmage that I'm talking about this past weekend, he reeled off a 99-yard run, you know, mm -hmm. back against the wall. Uh, you don't expect that. Most, most quarterbacks are going to get caught, you know. So he, he peels down the right sideline, and they didn't catch him. And the DVs are pretty fast. So he, he's got some wheels there. So... You know, and he's, he's a tough kid. And you have to like, too, that he was recruited by the other staff and mm -hmm. then hung around. I mean, he could have picked up and left like a lot of the guys did, and he hung around. So that I, I think that's that's outstanding. Now, what happens after this season with the, the portal and, and all that stuff? Uh, I mean, your, your job never ends doing this. I mean, the season ends, and then you're still hopping, trying to figure out what kid's going where and, and all, all that stuff. 
Scott, I want to ask you about two other uh, units on the on the field here. I know I think you wrote uh, an article, one of the many articles that, that you wrote covering the Bearcats over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I'll be sure to to link some of those in the in the show notes here. Uh, but you wrote one about the uh, the next generation of tight ends. Yeah, uh, at, at UC, and I, a lot of people like to proclaim UC as tight end. You, uh, we know with our long history of sending guys to the league at tight end, uh, who stands out? for you uh, amongst that crew right now? Well, they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. So uh, you're going to see a fair amount of Shimon Mateo and Peyton Singletary. And and uh, both specimens, both have a lot of promise. Uh, Singletary has the lone touchdown catch. I mean, a- out of both of them, they only have like, th- I think, three receptions between them uh, coming into the season. So this is the year these guys, this is your turn. You got to take advantage of it. But mm-hmm. um not this past spring game, but the one before that was in the bubble because they had had rain that day. And uh, Matera caught two touchdown passes, one from Bryant, one from Prater, and looked really outstanding. And and like last season, I was thinking maybe he can sneak in there between Wiley and Taylor and get some reps, but it didn't happen. I mean, you so you got two NFL tight ends there. So this is his season. And then, then Singletary uh, had a touchdown pass. Um, against Kennesaw State maybe or one of those schools. Um, both of them played in the bowl game, but, you know, you kind of want to write that one off and forget about it because so many kids yeah. opted out of it. And, and you know, sadly, fans are not allowed to opt out, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was it was very underwhelming, uh, but you have to go through with them. I, I, I wish they'd do something with bowl games to where the kids can, to me, it's like fulfill your obligation, play the game, you know, People are paying good money to come and watch these things, and, and they're on TV. You might as well give it a go and try to win the thing. But it was a weird one, you know, when you've got Louisville against sure. Cincinnati, and some of the, that staff is now coaching our guys. Braden Smith was playing for Louisville, now a Bearcat. Uh, Brian Brown, defensive coordinator, now UC's defensive coordinator. And then some of our guys were tackling them, and now it's it, it, it was kind of a messed up uh, – Messed up bowl game there, but anyway, but, weird. Um, yeah, Mateo and Singletary, and then behind them, there's uh, Jesse Meyer, uh, Beric Falk, uh, Michael McCalmont, and uh, I don't know if I'm missing somebody in there um, in that group, but uh, th- those are the top two, bar none. I mean, it, it's Mateo and, and Singletary right now, barring any injury. That, that that's what you'll see. But they're they're two different guys. Singletary uh, came in to UC at the, like 208. And is now up to 240 thereabout. Uh, Mateo was at 260 coming in out of high school, played defensive line and tight end, and they've trimmed him down to like 248. Um, but it, you know, big fellow that can do a lot of things and catch the ball, pretty good interview. So I hope he gets into the end zone, both of them. <laughs> Quite often, I hope for sure. Uh, the, well, it, for that to happen. Uh, the other unit I want to talk to you about is the offensive line. Uh, the offensive line has to be pretty effective as well, and and Jail be able to work together. I think there's a a lot of uh, components that go into a, a solid line. So, what can you tell us? You know, you said that uh, you know the stars on the defensive line didn't really didn't get that that many reps because we know what they can do. Uh, what does that mean for the offensive line being challenged? What, what, yeah. what did you see from them? To, what, what's the outlook? What should we expect as far as the O-line this season? 
Well, again, they're playing one another, so they, they, they've held their own. And you got to figure, well, if you're going up against one of the better D-lines, that, that's got to help your O-line. Um, I, I think you're going to see some of these guys that transferred in playing a fair amount. It, you know, you'd like to say, well, we're, we're returning our offensive line third year in a row. It's just not the case. You're returning Gavin Gerhardt um, at, at center, and then you, you've got John Williams and D'Artagnan Tensley uh, to the left of him, more than likely. And then, then Luke Kandra out of Elder that also played at Louisville knows that mm-hmm. offense. And I see a lot of leadership qualities out of him. And the big fellow from uh, Kentucky, DeAndre Buford, came in. That looks like the right side to me. Uh, then you have Trevor Radosevich who came from uh, Penn. Um, great interview. Very talkative Ivy League lad. And, and he's an interchangeable part. So you've got you've got some guys in there, but it's not it's not the ideal situation. But I, I've not seen anything that, that that's told me they're not any good. You know, uh, Wilder, Philip Wilder was another transfer, Southeast Missouri State. Uh, I don't know who I'm leaving out here now, but uh, but yeah, uh, oh, big Cam Jones, he he's in in the mix too. There, there's a lot of guys. I think they're looking to have like seven seven eight guys that they can rotate in and out. I don't know if I got to seven guys or not, but that 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 that's basically it. Um, of course, Cam Jones, he's he's got that wrestling career going. If if, if football doesn't work out, he's a WWE NIL uh, dude. So, and and he fits the part, man. He he's an outdoorsman and six eight, three hundred and something pounds, fishes, hunts, all that type thing. And he came here as a quarterback. So that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's a great story, but yeah. Let me ask you about a, a, a offensive lineman here, and and what I think is a is maybe is a weird and unique situation. Where where does the progression or or where does Landon Fickle fit in, in all of this? Uh, well, right now he's injured, so he fits okay on a on a, on a bicycle. Okay, um, right now uh, I don't know. I think it's to be determined. I, I, um, I don't even know the specifics of his injury, but he's 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 not been in action uh, currently. So I know it's a lot that his dad takes off for Wisconsin and he stays here. Yeah, um, but that, that 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 that's the way it is right now. He's he's just not been able to play, and he was injured. I I don't know if he had surgery or what, but he's not clear. When you see a guy with an orange jersey, they're 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 off limits for the time being. So he's he's there. He's he's walking. He's fine. The, I don't know the specific injury, but he's he's just not able to play right now. Yeah, along those same lines here, I don't know how often you uh, travel down uh, southbound 75, but uh, around the, the Lachlan split, which is a place that I, I find myself almost every day, uh, if you look up at a billboard, there's a uh, there's a billboard with a, the, the face, the image of a, of a certain Wisconsin head coach uh, wishing the local football players to have a great season uh, in the Cincinnati area. H- have you seen that billboard yet? Is it a Wisconsin billboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I've not seen it then. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I, uh, I'm sure that's a strategy on their part, but uh, I'm sure it is. Well, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, where would he recruit the best where he's familiar with? So I'm, I'm sure he'd recruit the heck out of Ohio. And, yeah. you know, he, he did take some guys uh, with him. Um, that, that's just the way it goes. You know, when, when a coach leaves, it's, it's like, things are going to change, you know, staff's going to change. And, uh, same, you know, when Scott Satterfield 
came in. You know, there's a good many people have come with him from Louisville, and I think it was about five transfers player-wise. So it's it's the name of the game. You can get mad at him for leaving, but, you know, heck, if somebody comes and offers you or I seven mil or whatever that Luke got to go to Madison, I, I'm saying, well, who do I talk to? Who's a real estate agent there, you know? <laughs> but we'll see you. But right, yeah, what, we don't we don't have those issues though. Uh, yeah, definitely not. If we if we go back to to the football field here though, I, I really uh, there's like two two other uh, groups I want to ask you about and, and sort of your uh, your takeaways from it. The first being uh, the running back room. It, it seems to be uh, it would be a strength. Uh, for for the team this year with uh, you know Corey Kiner uh, the the two Montgomerys uh, maybe being the top three there what uh, what do you see coming out of, of the running back room or who do you think uh, which guy has has which roles is there a uh, you know a bell cow is there more of a power guy that you you feed at the goal line what who do you uh, what roles well, do you they, see for they've kind of stuck to the running back by committee thing but it it looks again and and this has been mentioned in interviews, so this is not a great secret, that the, the top two would be Corey Kiner and Miles Montgomery. Miles um, had a, a nice 70-yard run the other day in, uh, in some work at higher ground, and, and then Kiner's been kind of a go-to in the red zone, and he's he's just tough to tackle, you know. And he, he's, he's trimmed down some, but, you know, added muscle and all that type thing. So... Those two, uh, obviously, Ryan Montgomery still has a ton of experience. He's gained over 700 yards in his career. Uh, and then you have uh, Stefan Bird is a specimen, you know, massive tree trunk thighs. And he, he, he had a big run the other day. Um, they just need the carries. Uh, Ethan Wright was your top ground gainer in, in, the, uh, in the bowl game. Mm -hmm. um, so he's been a little dinged up, but but right now it's it's it looks to be Kiner and, and Montgomery. Um, you know, Miles Montgomery, you didn't see a whole ton of last year. I think he gained 120 yards, but like 104 of that was against Kennesaw State. And that was only on he broke a big run and that was kind of it. And then Corey was over, you know, around 350 yards. And I think mm -hmm. he had one 100 yard game or something in that range. I, I, I think they would like to see somebody you know, pull away from the crowd. But right now you haven't seen that. And, and uh, you know, what you got used to with like Jerome Ford, for instance, I mean, Jerome Ford could break through the line and then had an extra gear. And I, I, I don't see that extra gear yet with the other guys. I mean, Miles might be a hair quicker than Corey. Uh, mm -hmm. Corey adds something, you know, down near the goal line. And I think he's improved with his pass catching and and, and he's a veteran too. You you know you start to grow up after a while and figure out a way to get in there. So, but th th that would be they'd be one two in in my book right now. Very nice. Uh, I'm assuming Mason Fletcher is still um, a phenomenal punter. Oh, I, don't yeah. know any, I don't know any other way to say. It. I don't know if we need to spend a bunch of time talking about our punting game because I think uh, Fletcher has that under control. I'm not really worried about that. Uh, but can what do you, what can you tell us about our, our other kickers, the ones trying to uh, go for extra points or, or field goals here? What's uh, what's well, the special like, teams look like? Carter Brown uh, will be the kicker. Uh, the holders, Bryce Burton, who also is a kicker, but uh, mainly mainly holds. And Caden um, uh, uh, Pfeiffer, I think, yeah, uh, is the long snapper. Um, 
So yeah, and and that and I I mentioned those guys because that's that's a big operation too. Everyone kind of looks at the kicker, but you know you need you need a perfect snap. You get the guy's got to catch it, he's got to put it down, spin it, mm-hmm. uh, all that type thing. So the, the it, Bengals it, learned that week one last year. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When uh, when the long snapper went out, that made all the difference in that game, and that's why that mm-hmm. game was lost. And that, that's sometimes I worry too. You know when. I don't want to get off on the Bengals, but you know when when they're talking about replacing a punter on well, the NFL, the punter is is pretty much the holder, you know. So the guy can punt the the fool out of the ball, but uh, is he good at holding and and, and getting that down? Because that's that's a smooth operation that you need to be successful. So a lot of things that goes into it. Now Fletcher uh, is the backup holder, and probably you know it might. Come NFL time, he's probably going to have to learn how to be the holder because just for roster space, that's just the way it mm-hmm. goes. If you punt, you're more than likely also holding. You know, way back when the quarterbacks did it, but they don't want to get the quarterbacks hurt now. So, but yeah, Mason Fletcher ought to win the Ray guy. On the other hand, I I, I I'm fine if I don't see him punt all year, but uh, you, you do need a punter, and he can flip the field. And you know, any state that needs range should bring Mason. Fletcher Fletcher out and see if he can break the drought, just kicking the ball skyward. It's they're they're unique. Uh, all, all those dudes in Australia that that go to that kicking academy, they're, they're highly skilled dudes. His brother kicks. His his dad was a, a a rugby superstar, and they just they grow up kicking balls. So that's what they do, and they're very good. Yeah, very good at it for sure. Uh, so last last football question here for you, Scott. I uh, certainly appreciate your time. Uh, I, I kind of want to know what um, a lot of people have been. They'll make fun of or they'll they'll rag on Coach Satterfield. They uh they don't they don't think he he you know it's definitely a different vibe of a guy from from Coach Fickle especially when you're you know kind of comparing the two and, and sort of their personalities and whatnot. Uh, you know I, I think I I've said that he seems I've I've never met him but he seems kind of a little bit like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. <laughs> Okay, so you know, kind of this—that's that, how I would, you know, just that's just my impression of him. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of people thought this hire was very interesting, unique, and sort of unexpected uh, for UC to hire Satterfield from Louisville. Uh, as as a as a you know a diehard fan and and everyone else that's listening, uh, wh- why do you think we should have confidence in Satterfield? Maybe not, you know not just this year, but, but moving forward into the big 12. If you look at his resume as a whole and not just Louisville, then it's pretty impressive. I mean, he, I think he was 25, 24 at Louisville, but then there were some extenuating circumstances with injuries and things like that. Uh, That league was not terribly easy. Uh, The ACC playing tough teams, you know, night in and night out. He did win his first year uh, ACC coach of the year. And he was a Sun Belt coach of the year with, with Appalachian State and did, you know, was part of national championships there, you know, when they were before they <clears throat> went up to the bigger level. So and he was part of one of the more historic upsets ever knocking off Michigan, you know, in Ann Arbor. Now, that's 2007. You say, why does that matter? But yeah, you have to have been in, in situations like that. So. I don't I'll, off the top of my head. I don't know his career record. I'm, I'm like ballpark 75, 76 and 48 or something like that. Um, not too bad. It's just right now he's going to to the Big 12. So you might 
it's going to be tough. There's no question about it. I mean, he's thrown into the fire. You're, you're, you've got a bunch of players that no one knows a whole lot about, and you're going into a new tough league. So you, you're going to have to give him a season or two, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, I understand you go from Luke Fickle, who, you, who takes you to the highest level you've ever been as a football program. But what I'll say is let, let's go back to that first year of Luke Fickle. And, mm-hmm. you know, Tuberville leaves because he was kind of on the back nine anyway. Um, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Spent a lot of time on that back nine. He, he could read a green. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the first year with, with fickle, to be honest, it was, I, I was thinking it's like, well, he, he talks this tough game and everything, but when did we see it? But boy, that second year, you saw it, you, mm-hmm. you know, all the toughness, you know, the Brady Collins, uh, the, the strength training, everything that they got in to, and he had Doug Rossfeld was on the staff and Doug eventually goes to the Bengals. Um, so he stuck to his plan getting good local guys, turns it into a, a team, you know, you get a good quarterback with Ritter and, and uh, people started buying in and you saw what happened. So, you know, what you have to hope in this first year with, with uh, Coach Satterfield is that, that they're, they're competitive enough to, to give people promise. And, and then you have to know that in the Big 12, you're going to be getting better players and it's going to get better. You're going to see that performance center go up there across from the baseball stadium and the other practice field, eventually there'll be two structures there that you didn't have. And, you know, it's an arms race when you're trying to get kids, you bring them in, they want to see all the stuff They, you know, what do you have? What do you have? And, and uh, you know, this, the first two years of this TV contract, you're getting 18 million, then 19 million. Then in year three, it's 31 something million. And so there's, there's going to be more money available. So, it, it, it might take a little time to build, but they're building now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not Scott Satterfield's agent by any means. I'm I'm not in, endorsing and saying you know let's you know vote Satterfield 2023 or whatever. I'm just telling you what I see. He he's been a competent coach. He's got a, a a career nice resume, and you know I'm sure Louisville fans will will say, well we're we're glad we got Jeff Brom. Well Jeff Brom's a hometown guy. They probably should have gone after him maybe in the first place. But Scott Satterfield was this close to being hired when Luke Fickle got hired, it, it was, he was there on the list. So it's just the way, the way things work out and we'll, we'll have to see how this works out, but it's not like he doesn't know football and he's, he's hired some pretty good coaches and uh, the defense, you know, they led the nation in sacks. And now you're giving the coach that led the nation in sacks, a roster of dudes like Deontay, Dante Corleone rather, and, and Jawan Briggs and, Eric Phillips and uh, Malik, you know, it's amazing, really. Your, your front defensive line, they're all local guys. And Deshaun, yeah, Bates, yeah. local guy. you got you got all these high school dudes. So, again, you circle the wagons, re- recruit the kids around here, which is what Luke Pickle was good at. If you can get back to that, you're on to something. There again, Big 12, though, is Big 12. So you got to go to Florida. You got to go to Texas. You got to you got to go where the dudes are. You, you want a, a bunch of them from around here, but if the players are somewhere else, you got to go hunt them down because now you have the money to do so. Definitely. Scott, I, I certainly appreciate the insight. I know as a guy that spent some time out at higher ground, I thought you'd be the, the perfect guy to come in here and, and give us some insight on what was happening out there as we're less than uh, two weeks away from the, the home opener 
on, on September 2nd at historic Nippert stadium. I know I'm excited for it. Uh, on, on Twitter, I know guy people can find you at, uh, S Springer sports, uh, and all, all the articles on, uh, Cincinnati.com. Be sure to check those out. Uh, doing great stuff, great coverage for the Bearcats. I know there's a lot of people out there uh, that appreciate that and are, are, are always looking for more. So I, uh, I know with this being the the height of, uh, you know, the, the Reds, the Bengals getting started, FC is doing well, a lot of other things to pay attention to. But uh, for the Bearcats diehards, I know we certainly appreciate it. Well, it's a lot of fun. Beats working. Absolutely, man. I, I, I appreciate it. I, I, I will not uh, hesitate to reach out again and see if we can't get you on here uh, a third time in the uh, in the upcoming uh, yeah, seasons of, of football or basketball. Get, get those two big fellas eligible, and you, you might have something with hoops there, too. So we'll see. Yes. Big expectations, I think, if, if we get those waivers for sure. Yeah. All right, Scott, I, I appreciate your time, man, and uh, I will uh, I'll reach out to you again soon. You have a good night. All right. Thank you. Thank you.